Hello, and welcome to Tabletop Bellhop Live, Episode 6, Answer Me These Questions 3, Air the Other Side, you see. Coming to you from Hamilton, I'm Sean, and here with me live and direct from Windsor, Ontario, the Tabletop Bellhop himself, Mo T. I am the Tabletop Bellhop, your cardboard concierge, answering your game and game night questions and striving to make everyone's gaming experience better. Let me put my years of game playing, event organizing, and game night hosting to use for you. I'd like to say hi to everyone hanging out in the lobby here on Twitch. It's a pleasure to see people interested. For those listening to the podcast, you can join us every Thursday night at 9.30pm Eastern at twitch.tv slash tabletopbellhop. Audience feedback. We love hearing from our listeners and viewers. Each week, we hope to highlight some of the feedback, positive or negative. We got a lot of feedback based on our teaching episode, which is fantastic. Phil Hatfield on G Plus notes, Good one. Yes, teaching is definitely the most challenging aspect when dealing with new players to the game. Thanks, Phil. It's definitely a skill that takes time to learn. Mark Whitley also on G+, writes, Great blog post. I'm reminded of a quote I heard about teaching. I hear and I forget. I see and I remember. I do and I understand. Thanks, Mark. It's a great little quote and speaks to the importance of both style and repetition in your teaching. Another one from G+, Ivan Sorensen, says, This is exactly the sort of thing I was hoping to see from your project. Thanks. That's awesome, Ivan. Uh, Ivan's been a longtime follower. I've interacted with him a lot on G+. I'm glad to hear we seem to be hitting the mark. Joe Swick writes, I always start with the premise and theme of the game. A few of my friends always start with how to win, and I'm like, tell me the premise of the game. I almost didn't come back to Elder Sign because of them. It's a top contender in my house now. Interesting point, Joe. You can't forget theme when teaching, but for me, I'm not sure if it's more important than how to win. This just highlights the point that different people learn different ways. The best thing to do is try to tie both together. I was trying to think of a perfect example of this, and I didn't come up with one, but even like Settlers of Catan doesn't have much of a theme, but you are trying to build the largest settlement, and you want to do that before everyone else, so it's a race to 10 points. You're at least explaining that. Or uh, in Twilight Imperium 4, you are trying to explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate by building a small space force and spreading out into the galaxy. You do that by selecting one of seven actions, etc., So I think you can definitely tie the two together. So just to show a different point of view, we got a different note from Tom Stearns. I start with how to win, then explain the board map, then teach using the sequence of play as a guide, with no mention of theme. Thanks, Tom. Brian Kurtz, our biggest fan, gave out a nice shout-out about our show and another great show in the Misdirected Mart Network. Are y'all listening to Jang Yu Hustle and Tabletop Bellhop? Really digging those podcasts. Both have really thoughtful and knowledgeable hosts, both have taken time in recent episodes to respond to my comments and questions. Listening to podcasts has become something I really look forward to. Podcasts bring happiness to my life. Hats off to all of you that take the time to write, record, edit, and post that content. Wow, big thanks, Brian. Brian is fantastic. He's been backing this project since before it even launched, when I was just talking about doing a podcast. I also recommend Yang Hu Hustle. Eric and Eli sit down and watch Wuja movies and then talk about how to best represent what they've seen in an RPG. They are actually working towards writing the best Wuja RPG ever. If you're a Foo fan, I suggest checking in their show out. Do check out the other shows on Misdirected Mark Network as well. They produce a ton of great RPG content. 
Shows like our brother podcast, The Misdirected Mark, and Down With D&D, where you can get some insider info on all the crazy changes going on right now in the Adventure League. You can get that from the mad wizard, Sean Merwin himself. We get better with your comments and suggestions, and if you'd like to let us know something about the show, send your feedback to mo at tabletopbellhop.com and or sean at tabletopbellhop.com. That's S-E-A-N. And now, Tabletop Gaming Weekly where we look back and summarize what's happened since we were last here. What games hit the Bellhops tabletop? Every week, I like to take a look back at the games we played, any events we attended, and any other cool gaming stuff that's going on. You can catch the blog version of hashtag WhatDidYouPlayMondays every week at TabletopBellhop.com. Now, last week was a good week. Got two games off the pile of shame. Started to work on a new goal. Uh, this is a goal to replay games I've only played once. Those games I bought, played, and enjoyed... Kept, put them on the shelf, but just never got back to for one reason or another. And with a back catalog of a thousand or so games in your library, there's probably more than a few that fit that description. So Monday night, I had four people over. Uh, We broke out Clank in Space. Tons of hype on this game. Supposed to be Gamer's Clank. It's supposed to be Clank's a fantastic deck builder, not deck construction game or deck improver. Uh, where you're doing a dungeon crawl, trying to steal the dragon's treasure and get out. Clank in Space is supposed to be the advanced version of that, we'll call it, or slightly more advanced version of that, where you're sneaking into a spaceship, stealing stuff from Lord Annihilus or something is his name. I don't remember. Everyone I've heard says it's better than the original, and I'm not sure. It adds new stuff, it adds complexity, but I'm, I'm not sure it's more fun. Now, I've only played once, so if you're loving Clank in Space, don't start hating. I'll give it another try. Um, similarly, like I wrote up one of the first ever questions I answered was, is Queen Domino better than King Domino? And my answer was similar. It's adds a bunch of stuff, but is it more fun? You can check that out on the blog. I'm still not sure on Clank in Space. I got to try it again. Now, Laser Riders. This was a Kickstarter. This is Prawn, the board game. This is neon, bright lights, holograms, looks like a VHS tape, 80s gimmicky, silly-looking game. Like, can you actually make a good Tron game? When I saw this, I was like, I don't know. Like, it was on Kickstarter. I didn't back it. I thought this would be one of those games you break it out when your friends are over. Like, oh, check it out. We're playing Tron Light Cycles. Like, hey, it's kind of fun. And then you put it away. And then, like, Sean comes down from Hamilton. I'm like, hey, did you see the Light Cycle game? I'll show it to you. And that's about it, right? I'd show it to everyone once and be like, oh, it's neat. It's kind of gimmicky. I was wrong. Like, we played it. It was good. Like, really good. If nothing else, the game seems to have captured the graphic design quality of the 80s. Just looking at the marketing was flashbacks to consumers distributing and Sears catalogs oh, and, and that, that era. It was, it was amazing how well they captured that. Yeah, they did some good work there. So I was working on the newsletter and Eric Franklin writes and asked me if I got a, a BGA, a Board Game Arena invite check my email. I'm like, oh yeah, I did. Sorry, I was working on something. I'll check it out later. When I, and I notice it's for Seven Wonders. So I wrote him back. I'm like, oh, this is cool, but I don't have a sub, right? It's a Seven Wonders is a sub-only play. If you listen to our previous episodes, this kind of follows up from there. And he's like, no, no, you don't. I'm like, what? He's like, no, to launch a game in Board Game Arena, you have to have a premium account, but to play a game, you don't. I'm like, wow, that that is a game changer. That makes Board Game Arena way cooler to me. Yeah, this really sort of changes it for me. I'm still not a fan of the design of the site, uh, but as we said last week, the games look great. 
even if the site itself doesn't. And with the fact that only one person has to have the membership, I, I can definitely see how it would be easy to, to jump on. And then, you know, once you're hooked, both people can <laughs> jump on and start paying just to give them the value, make the value for them. But uh, no, one person makes this a, a whole other level. No, I agree. Like now, if you've got a group that it's like Sean, who is no longer local or some other friends far away and you want a game together every Friday night, sit the four of you down, play Race for the Galaxy or actually Race for the Galaxy is one of the free ones, play Seven Wonders. You can now do that and only one of you has to pay the money, right? Like everyone else sends them, sends them a couple bucks. Now, again, just a reminder from last week, it's not expensive. Like we're kind of nickeling diming here, but I didn't like that the paywall was there and it was a bit hidden. Having this knowledge definitely kind of, okay, that's cool. I get it. This is this is much cooler. So then uh, Friday night came, and I mentioned that we have a regular Friday night group where another couple comes over. We are supposed to start Gloomhaven. It just hasn't happened yet. So it, it'll happen probably in two weeks. I'm sure you'll hear all about it when it does. I'm still working on that box inserts too. So we are looking for something to play. This is where that whole I want to play games I've only played once comes in. I was looking around my game room. I asked Tori and Kaz, is there anything I own you want to play? And I think they were just being polite, but they're like, no, no, it's up to you. So I'm like, you know what? I looked around and I'm like, hey, hardback. I got that. I brought it out at Extra Life last year. We played once, had a good time. Actually, I think we played three times in a row, but we played it one night and it went on my shelf and I never played again. So I took it out and I'm like, hey, cool. So... This is a really cool deck building game, not deck construction, where you're building words. So it's a word game. It's based on a game called Paperback that was very popular and hard to find. And they put out a Kickstarter for a new printing. So this is a word game where you start with your standard letters in your hand, your R-S-T-L-N-E or whatever. Basically, the letters they give you in Wheel of Fortune when you go to cast the final thing. And then you get two random additional letters. And then you play words. And the words either give you points or money coins to buy more letters and then you can make bigger words it's a good combination of scrabble boggle and a deck building mechanic it's kind of brilliant what hardback adds that paperback didn't have is the star realms thing so that's when you have four different types of cards in this romance mystery adventure and horror and if you play similar cards so if you play two horror cards at once something happens if you play two mysteries so it gives you a reason to um streamline your deck towards a certain type a certain genre very cool game so after that, I took out Laser Riders again. I wanted to know, was this a fluke? Like, my Monday night group, I'm pretty sure we would have fun playing Tiddlywinks. Like, actually, we'd probably have a lot of fun playing Tiddlywinks. Monopoly, whatever. I, I hate people who hate on Monopoly, so that's not the best choice. But we'd have fun probably playing anything. Not that I wouldn't have fun playing anything with Tori and Cat. Wow, I dig in a hole here. Okay, so... <laughs> I then showed Tori and Cat Laser Riders. It wasn't a fluke. The game was still good. Like, we had a really good time. We were laughing. Some of the mechanics are kind of silly and seem gimmicky, but they work. It just goes to show you, you can't judge a book or a game by its cover. While the game may look fabulous or terrible, when Laser Rider definitely hits the fabulous point, <laughs> the real value is in how it plays. You can spend all the money in the world and come up with a game like Big Trouble in Little China, you know, with the fancy miniatures and an incredibly great board game. But if you don't enjoy playing it or if the mechanics are overly confusing, it doesn't matter how great it looks. It'll just sit on the board. It'll just sit on the bookshelf. And that's not a worthy game. In the board game industry, everyone 
has, there's a few rules, right? There's Tom Vassell's law, which is if a game is good enough, it will get reprinted eventually. Or there's um, the Jones theory, which is all about how certain games replace other ones. I think I think I want to get a rule out there. I think the uh, the tabletop bellhaw law of board gaming is the game that's on your table is the best game. They're better than any game that sits on your shelf. The game that gets played is the best game. Having no matter how good it looks, how good the mechanics are, how pretty it is, how much hype there is, it's all worth nothing if the game just sits on your shelf. So moving on to Saturday, the CG Realm hosted a game night. This is one of our local game stores. They have an event once a nu- once a month. Great venue, very welcoming, lots of room, friendly staff, decent selection of games. Plus, they have a little uh, restaurant in there called the Windsor Sandwich Shop that makes the most amazing Coney dogs, Detroit style Lafayette Street Coney dogs. Now, this may be the new thing in Windsor. Like, we're, we're a Windsor Pizza. We got that locked down. But I'm thinking maybe Coney Dogs, that ramen I talked about, and pizza. We'll, we'll just take over all three of those. I'd be good with that. Still haven't gotten my Coney Dog. This must be rectified soon. Yeah. Next time you're down. There may be some uh, excessively uh, unnecessary driving in my future just <laughs> to get Coney Dogs. Just to get Coney Dogs. If we do that, we'll have to make a promotional video or something We're like, hey, there we go. So Sean Hamilton, not Sean from Hamilton, showed up early that night. We played Flip City. Now, this is another one of those, I've only played it once, games in my collection. It was sitting there on my shelf. I grabbed it, and I'm like, yeah, I played this once. It was kind of fun. It, it unlike Hardback, that didn't live up. It's, it's a deck builder, but there's only five different types of cards, but they're two-sided, so there's like ten possibilities. The whole thing in that game is when instead of buying new cards, you can flip the cards in your deck, and you have to be really careful not to when you're shuffling. It, it's kind of a neat mechanic, but I, it's just it's dry. There's not enough there. It seems to need some meat. I think I'm going to be putting this in the Extra Life auction or selling it off. Then, as the night got a little busier, some people, more people came in. We played Terraforming Mars. Still one of my best games in my collection. Fantastic game. We had a new player, so we played with the Corporate Wars, but no drafting. The one mistake I made, and I do like to point out my mistakes so you don't make the same ones, is we were playing with uh, one of the employees of the game night, which is pretty cool. The problem with that is we he had to deal with staff, or sorry, he had to deal with customers. He had to get up and leave during the game. So don't start five-player Terraforming Mars with corporate lures when you have a member of staff or any other reason you may get interrupted often. Just stick to the basic game. I think we would have had more fun. Not that it was a bad game. We had a good time, but it took over three hours, and Terraforming Mars shouldn't take that long once you have players who know the game. So then, you'll never guess what I broke out next. No, it's not Azul. It was Laser Riders. This was the final test. I had three new players who hadn't played it before at the game store. We went and got one of the Warhammer tables, four, four by four. We put it on one of the tables at the sandwich shop. I moved my Coney Dog tray out of the way. And we played. This got people watching. Not only was the game fun, it was fun enough that we had um, observers. We had we had an audience. This was the best game yet. Like, this was close. Part of the game is you have to collect three crystals. To stop someone from winning, you can drive over their crystal and change it back to your color. So we had multiple rounds where it's like, oh, he's going to win, he's going to win. Oh, we stole the crystal. It is a solid, fun game. I'm, I'm still impressed. So after Laser Riders, it was getting near the end of the night. We wanted a, uh, what Heavy Cardboard calls a thinky filler. I wanted a solid game to end the night that's fairly quick, so I grabbed Honshu. And the main reason I grabbed this one is because of something we'll talk about later, because it came up in one of our three game recommendations. Overall, though, it was a great week. On the podcast, we go through these games rather quickly, so as to save time for our main topic. To hear more of the Bellhop's thoughts on these games, check on the table section 
of TabletopBellhop.com. We record the show live Thursday nights at 9.30 Eastern on Twitch, and we encourage people to drop in and take part in our chat room in the lobby. Thanks to our moderator, Angie Games. And it's a quiet lobby tonight, but uh, thanks Teldern for showing up, speaking up. Yeah, welcome everyone who's in our lobby. It's looking a little quiet, not a lot going on. But if you are watching, make sure to comment, ask questions, interact with each other. Thank you for joining us. You can find us all across the web now, and we grow by the support of listeners and viewers like you. So please take a minute to subscribe to our content on your favorite platform. Give us a like or thumbs up or review on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find us. And help spread the word of our gaming advice to the world. I'm sure you hear this from every podcast, but what really helps us get out there are iTunes reviews. Even if you don't use iTunes to listen, you can go there and review our show. Getting iTunes reviews means we show up more often on searches, which means more people can find us. What people may not realize is that many of the other podcast sites use the iTunes ranking for what order they show things. For those of you listening at home, you may have noticed a gap in your podcatcher. That would be because last week we recorded our episode zero origin stories. We did a trick where you backdate it so that someone new subscribing to the show, it'll be their first episode before everything else. Unfortunately, this means that for some of you who were already subscribers, your podcatcher may not have downloaded episode or have put it out of order. So if you missed it, be sure to check our backlog to find episode zero. In it, we talk about why we're doing this, where you can find our content, and why we think that we have the background to answer your gaming question. Now, for those of you listening to the podcast, this episode will drop a couple episodes after we got back from QCC, where I'm sure we had an awesome time, and thanks to everyone who came up and said hi. The Tabletop Bellhop Twitch, twitch.tv slash tabletopbellhop channel, is now hosting the Misdirected Mark podcast every Tuesday at 8.30 Eastern, 6.30 Queen's time. Similarly, the Misdirected Mark podcast is hosting us live right now. If you have a Tabletop Gaming Twitch channel and are interested in a similar arrangement, Please contact the bellhop at mo at tabletopbellhop.com. Now sign up to receive Tabletop Bellhop weekly in your inbox. Every Wednesday, we'll be sending out an email recapping all of the content we've released in the past week, blog posts, new podcast episodes, and anything else we publish. You can sign up at www.subscribepage.com slash tabletopbellhop, or go over to tabletopbellhop.com, and in the sidebar, there's a spot where you can sign up now we are trying to add a new domain to our url and that should replace that that'll be coming soon and we'll be sure to get the word out when that happens each episode we look to answer one or more of your game gaming or game night questions you can send your questions to questions at tabletopbellhop.com or you can head over to the webpage tabletopbellhop.com and click on ask the bellhop we need your questions without your questions we're gonna have to start making stuff up What's the most money you've seen on free parking? Just how loud should you yell, UNO! Or what is the best opening move in tic-tac-toe? To be clear, we don't officially support putting any money on free parking. That's an unsanctioned house rule. Tonight, we're tackling three different questions, all looking for specific game recommendations. Starting with Daniel Lucci on G+, who asks, What would be a good three-player game that covers area control or war game-esque skirmishes that can be played in 45 to 60 minutes. He's wanting to improve his lunch hours at work. Wow, that is not an easy question. Less than an hour in area control. Yeesh. And good with three? Huh. Well, the first game that comes to mind is a game called Cry Havoc from Portal Games. 
This is a fantastic folk on a map, asymmetric game. I know two players, you can fit in an hour. I'm not sure about with three players. Maybe if everyone knows the game well. Now, this is a really neat game where you're each controlling a different faction trying to exploit a newly found planet. With three players, you're each playing one of the different forces invading the planet. Really neat in that game is if you add the fourth player, they actually play the indigenous species. Really neat, really quick area control game with one of the best combat systems I've ever seen in a game. Now, another one that may or may not fit your theme is Tash Kalar. That's T-A-S-H hyphen K-A-L-A-R. If you want to look this one up or just check the blog, you'll see it spelled or show notes. This is a super abstract game. This is an arena battle. So you have a grid that represents the arena where supposedly your summoned monsters are fighting. This is actually the best three-player game I own. I love this game at three-player. Now you can play two and four-player, but it's best with three. The thing is, it's abstract. So I don't know if that fits your skirmish war game but to me it kind of does so the way you play is you put out tokens representing your color on the grid and if you put them out in a pattern that matches the spells in your hand you get to cast the spell and when you cast the spell it then does things on the board like flips colors removes tokens and so on now another neat part of that is there's quests that go at the top of the board and they're randomized every game and this is where your area control will go in so it'll say stuff like control the green spots on the map or control three red spots by the end of the round So it fits some of your requirements. I think you can get a game in in under an hour. I do really love the game, especially at three. Now, I was going to suggest Warhammer Underworlds, Age of Sigmar game that we somewhat made fun of the other day, despite the game being pretty good. Uh, But Chris Groff, a friend of mine from Toronto, commented on my initial blog post to note it is not designed to do three players, and there's nothing to stop two players from tag team in the third. He does not recommend it. Plus, once you get into three faction in in Underworlds, you're now looking at buying armies and buying more miniatures, and it's the Warhammer sinkhole. Like, make sure you've got some money set aside. So maybe not on that one. It was originally one of my thoughts, but I think Chris makes a good point. may not be the best choice. So now, this is more of a Euro game, but I think it's a good suggestion here. Have you tried Small World? This is a light, simple, easy-to-teach folks-on-a-map game where you're matching up your two armies. So it's really neat. You get all these tiles with pictures of the races, and you have types. So you'd have like Amazons, elves, and halflings, and you'll have merchant seafaring and heroic, and you'll match them up. So you'd have merchant Amazons or seafaring elves or heroic halfling. You then expand out on the map, and anytime you have to combat, the other player combat is very simple. You count how many counters you have in your stack, you count how many they have in their stack, and to take the territory, you just have to have more. So if they have two counters there, you need to have three to take it. But you don't only have a limited number of counters, and when they run out, you have to put your race into decline and start off with a new match. It's a very neat game, very good, very quick, and I think it fits your requirements. All right, and for our next question, Charlie Jackson at Cataclysm Games on Twitter asks, Are there any cool games for fans of dominoes? My gal's dad is a huge fan of Triominoes, and lately we've played it quite a bit. Just curious if there are other twists on dominoes. Thanks for the question, Charlie, and you're in luck. Ingenious is my strongest recommendation. When I first wrote up the blog post, I didn't think of this one at first. This is a fantastic Rhaenyra board game where you're pulling tiles from a bag, and similar to dominoes, they have two parts, a top and a bottom, and in this one, they're colors and symbols. You pull them from bag, and then you put them on your playing area, you think Scrabble, and then you put them out into a hex board. And what you're trying to do is match shapes or colors. They're both the same. That's colorblind friendly that way. Bonus points for that. 
And then you get points based on lines that match. Without being able to show you, it's a little hard to describe, but the important thing is you're trying to make matching patterns, and you get points for it. And there's six different colors. And the brilliant part, being a Rainier Nizia game, he's famous for this, as a game designer, is your final score is whatever color you've done the worst in. So you have to try to balance what you're playing. It is a fantastic game. I love it. My wife loves it. There's an app that's just as good. My kids love this game. It is that accessible and that good. Now, when you say dominoes, I immediately thought of King and Queen Domino. These are tile-laying fantasy games, really neat, really simple. King Domino being the simpler of the two and probably the better choice for you. But then there's Queen Domino that adds some extra rules. To really know more about that, if you go over to the blog, I've got an entire post on whether or not Queen Domino is better than King Domino that talks a lot more about the game. So when looking to answer this question on the blog, I did a bit of Googling. Not necessarily to find games, but I kept thinking, if you have a set of dominoes, there's got to be a lot of different ways to play. So now, bear with me as I read this out for the podcast listeners, but it will be in our show notes. But I found a site. It's at www.pagatpagat.com. So www.pagat.com forward slash tile, T-I-L-E, forward slash W-D-O-M. That site has 100 games you can play with a base set of dominoes. So I strongly suggest checking that out. I know uh, my family personally enjoys Mexican Train, but there are a lot of other ways. Now in your question, you mentioned triominoes. When I looked up triominoes, which I remember playing years ago with the neighbors across the street. It's an older game. Uh, when I looked it up, I noticed that the company that makes that does a game called Quad Ominos, Q-U-A-D Ominos. Now, I haven't played it. I have no idea, but it looks to be a step up. So if your gal's dad loves triominoes, this might be worth looking at. Now, Honshu. I talked about this in the week of review. This is the reason I played Honshu on Saturday is because I recommended it for this question. I was like, man, that's a good game. I need to play that again. This is a card game where everyone's dealt one of uh, 60 different cards. On it is a 3 by 6 grid. The grid represents different sections of the city of Honshu in Japan. So you have like uh, forests and you have lakes and you have production buildings, consumption buildings. All the different parts don't matter, but it has symbols. And when you play a card, you're trying to match up symbols. So there's the whole dominoes thing. The really cool part in Honshu is every card you play has to go either partially on top or partially under your existing cards. It is a very neat game with a really neat mechanic that I had never seen before. So it's a little more complicated than the other games I've mentioned so far, but I think it's worth learning, and I don't think it's too hard. It does have an auction mechanic, and there is card drafting. Another one you may want to consider is Carcassonne. Dominoes to Carcassonne may not immediately seem obvious, but you'll know when you play a tile in Carcassonne, one of the most important things is the sides have to match up. So you're basically doing the dominoes thing. You are playing a tile that matches the existing tiles on the board. Now, I'm not going to get into details of Carcassonne. Most people know how to play this. My one suggestion, though, is if you do dive into this, just skip the farm rules for the first couple of games, especially if you're playing with non-gamers. Yet, yes, they do kind of make the game a little more cutthroat and better game, but they're the hardest part of the game to learn, and the game doesn't suffer that much for dropping it. Wow, there's a lot of games that are dominoes-based. The more I dove into this and then looking at my board game collection, I noticed a couple more. So two more recommendations, and we'll move on to the next question. So the next one's Quirkle. Quirkle is Scrabble with shapes and no board. So you are drawing a handful of tiles that are colors and shapes, and then you're playing them out so that 
one or the other matches. So either all the colors match or all the shapes match. Other than that, it follows like a Scrabble-style scoring. So again, you got the dominoes thing of drawing tiles and matching them and placing them. And there's no board, so it can grow organically. My last recommendation, which is not in the blog post, so everyone listening live gets the uh, bonus content here, is all the polyomino games that have come out in the last couple of years. I didn't even think of these at first, but when grabbing the uh, pile of games for the backdrop there, I noticed patchwork. And I'm like, oh, polyominoes. So what polyominoes are is uh, irregular shapes. I think there's a set number of squares that have to be in them, kind of like Tetris is always for. Polyominoes are those weird, you get L's and zigzags and so on. In all of these games, Patchwork, Baron Park, Cottage Garden, there's a couple others. You are playing these onto a board, obviously trying to max out the most shapes on the board. They're all really good games. Again, I'm not going to get into detail about the specific games here, but I do recommend checking out two-player Patchwork, more than two players Baron Park. That's spelled with a B-A with an umlau over top of it, because I guess it's German for Bear Park. As well as that, I just remembered Waterworks, mm. a game you and I played in wow. my basement years ago, where it's a just a pipe-matching plumber's game, but you can play with any number of people. If you've got two sets, I think you can play up to six or eight people even. And it's just uh, lining up the pipes and making sure you've got the right things, like dominoes, but with uh, with plumbing. Yeah, that's a classic. That's, that's from like... I don't know, the 60s, if not earlier. Actually, not a bad game. It was my parents' game that uh, that we played. Yep. And next, through the blog, Steve asked us, My wife loves to play Splendor, and I'm looking for another game as a step up from there. Any suggestions? Well, thanks, Steve. I think this may be the Steve D12 that we referenced last week in, it, in some of our feedback, but I'm not positive. If it is, thanks. If not, welcome new Steve. If your wife really digs Splendor... I have to ask this first. Have you checked out Cities of Splendor? That's an expansion. I've heard very good things about it. It's modular. You can add, I think it's three different modules. You can add it and to the original game of Splendor. You can add all three or add one or two. And it's just a way to keep a game you already own fresh. So that goes into the whole saving you money. You don't always have to find a new game if there's ways to improve the existing game. Now, assuming you are looking for something completely new, uh, my biggest suggestion is Cent Century Spice Road. Many people are calling this the Splendor Killer. Earlier, I talked about the Jones Theory of Board Games, how games replace other games. Well, Century Spice Road, Jones Theory's Splendor. You don't need to own Splendor once you own Century Spice Road. Now, note, this is the general opinion of people. I still think there's a place for both in my collection. I don't own Spice Road, but I, I wouldn't get rid of Splendor because I owned it. It is a Splendor Plus, so instead of collecting gems, you're collecting spices. And the neat thing here is the spices have rarity. I don't remember the names of the spices, but like you have one that's not worth very many points, and you have one that's worth more points. And the really good point cards, because you're still buying point cards just like you do in Splendor, are need better spices. So in this one, you're drafting cards, and the cards let you refine your spices. So you may have a card that's like, oh, get three saffron, I'm going to say. And then you have another card that's like, trade three saffron to get one sage. And then another one that says, trade a sage for a nutmeg, and then you can trade a nutmeg for a 20-point card. Now, I'm totally making up the names of the resources here, because I played Century Spice Road twice, and I thought it was an improved on or more gamer game version of Spl Splendor. Splendor's better to teach new people. Century Spice Road is that step up. It's it's almost a half step. Like, it's just that little bit more. It's, 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 it's good. It's really good. So now I talked about a little step. I keep thinking that here's a big step, okay? Like, this is 
another floor. You're going up a flight of stairs here. But it's my favorite, one of my favorite games. It's the best engine builder I own, and that's Race for the Galaxy. The reason I feel it's like Splendor is you're building a tableau in Splendor. So you're using your resources to buy cards that modify your ability to buy more resources, which lets you buy more cards, which eventually let you buy victory point cards. Race for the Galaxy does that, but much more complicated. You have five different phases. You're picking which type of action to do each round. You're then using those actions to play developments and planets. But the developments and planets you play then modify those basic actions. So in a way, it's similar to Splendor that way. But like I said, this is a step up. Now, Race for the Galaxy is fantastic, but there is a learning curve. There is probably the most iconography I've ever seen in a board game is in that. It's not bad. It's good it's there. Because once you learn it, you can grab a card from any expansion and instantly know what it means. So that is a recommendation. Now, earlier I mentioned Chris Groff and his note on um, Shadespire, how he did not recommend that. What he suggests, instead of going towards Race for the Galaxy, which is tableau building, he's talking about deck building. Now, again, I'm talking about deck improvement, not deck construction. He's thinking start somewhere simple like Dominion or Star Realms. Maybe. I, I can see it. But what I think I'd recommend instead is a game like Valeria Card Kingdoms. Now, this has a central market where you're buying cards just like in Dominion or Star Realms, but the difference is you're building a tableau like in Splendor. So instead of the cards going into a deck which you shuffle, they get played in front of you just like in in Splendor. I think that may be a better step up. Of the two, I think Dominion is better to teach than Star Realms, especially for a new player. It might be the way to go. You know, it's it might work. It's not a bad idea, like deck building. I, I think I would do Valeria, and then maybe from Valeria move into doing deck builders. Well, in the uh, lobby, we've got Tech2674, who tells us it's Cinnamon, Cardamom, Saffron, and Turmeric. There you go. I think I got one of those right in there. Arzades, who's uh, better late than never, <laughs> personally likes Roll for the Galaxy better, saying that it simplifies and streamlines oh. the game. Yeah, that's yeah. that might be a better recommend. I still think Race is a better game. But as for a step up from Splendor, I can definitely see that. Plus, I, I don't know, I see people who like his Splendor liking the dice more than just cards, too, because card management is not the easiest thing to learn. I can see it. Good recommendation there. Well, this was a great talk, but if you'd like to read up on the topic, be sure to check out the blog at tabletopbellhop.com, where the bellhop has covered this topic as well. Remember, if you've got a burning question, you can head over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash tabletopbellhop and support us at the good tip or better level, and your questions get bumped to the top of the list. Speaking of our Patreon, a shout-out and thank you to our backers. Brian Kurtz, thank you very much. Thanks, Duran Barnett. Well, that was the double bell. That means my shift is coming to an end and we're going to have to lock the front doors. Though the doors to the lobby are closed, you can always find us across the web and social media as Tabletop Bellhop, one word. Send your questions to questions at tabletopbellhop.com and drop by tabletopbellhop.com where you can also find regular posts including detailed answers to questions, game reviews, the week in review, and more. Stop by and check out the list of other gaming content providers. And if you don't see your favorite site, please let me know and I'll be sure to add it. If you like the content we're providing and would like to support our efforts, consider tipping the bellhop at patreon.com slash tabletopbellhop. 
Remember to join us here on Twitch every Thursday night at 9.30 Eastern and watch for the Tabletop Bellhop Live to hit your podcatchers and YouTube at 2 a.m. Eastern every Tuesday. For Tabletop Bellhop Live, I'm Sean. And I'm Mo. Thank you, and game on.